Praise God. Well, we are finishing our series called The War, Living Life on the Front Lines. And I'm going to grab my glasses so I can see a little bit better what's going on. I missed you guys. Uh, I was gone last week and I, yeah, it's good to be back. Went to a nice church down in Arizona. That was kind of fun. Uh, forgot what it was called. Water something. All the cool churches have the word water in them. I don't know. It, so anyway, it was it was good to be in church down in Arizona. They had a special evangelist down. He was a fiery 20-something. I mean, I tell you what, that dude, he ran around for, well, it was supposed to be 45 minutes. I think it was about an hour and 15, and it was a, it was a good time. Um, but it's great to be back, great to be finishing up the series, The War, Living Life on the Front Lines. And this is a, we've just been talking about fighting the good fight. You know, there's two fronts on this war that we are fighting, this spiritual battle. There's the everlasting life front. We fight to help people understand that there is salvation in the name of Jesus and that there is salvation in no other name, that Jesus is the only one who's died on the cross for our sins to bring us into everlasting life. And we fight to bring that message to the world. But we also fight for abundant life today. And I, and I believe that those two fronts work together, that as we receive abundant life, we are equipped and more successful at evangelizing and bringing the truth to the world. And so when we are strong, when we are productive, when we are effective, then we can have abundant life in this life and we can be more effective for evangelism, fighting for everlasting life in eternity. We've talked about a bunch of things, you know, what we fight for, what we just talked about, who we fight against, the devil, not flesh and blood, the devil's schemes. We talked about the draft, maturing in our faith, the full armor of God, morale. Last week, uh, we talked about financing the fight. Pastor Larry gave a message on, uh, it might have been buy bonds, I don't know what he called it, but that was the idea, is how do we finance the fight? How does that work? You know, uh, and I looked up some statistics, and for every dollar spent on income taxes, eight cents has gone to spread the gospel. So that's not too bad, right? <laughs> that's not too bad. However, and that's, well, I shouldn't say spread the gospel, that's for all religious donations. In the United States, whatever religion that might be. And so, uh, eight cents goes to spreading the gospel. Uh, how, how are we going to win if we don't have an equipped uh, army to bring the gospel to the world? This week, we're going to finish up with a sermon based on one particular word. And it is the word overcome. If I was to sum up the spiritual battle, the war that we fight, it's simply this, overcome. We either are overcome or we overcome. Those are our two options. And in Christ, we are empowered by the Spirit to overcome. So let's pray and we'll get into the new material tonight. 
So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to wander around, just do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit, you guide us by your word. So Lord, do help us tonight to grab hold of something good from you. Each one of us is dealing with different things. We're fighting different parts of this battle. We need a different touch from you. And so I pray by your spirit that you would touch each one of us with what we need right now. Even if that has nothing to do with the sermon topic, Lord, just be with us and help us to get to know you better, to love you more, to have our faith in you grow, and to serve you more effectively. So bless our time tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Overcome. We are called by God to be overcomers, not shrink backers. Amen. Not cowards, <laughs> not quitters. We are overcomers. When we overcome, we win. When we are overcome, we lose. So we need to be overcomers in the battle, whatever front it is. If it's the eternal life front, we overcome. If it's the abundant life front, we overcome. There are always things that will want to run us over. There are always adversity and difficulties and trials in life. The question is, are they going to crush us or are we going to get the victory? So that's the question. We are not called to be quitters or cowards or people who shrink back. We are called to be overcomers. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17. Romans 12, 17 through 21. It says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I'll explain that in a little bit. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil. Is it possible to be overcome by evil as we live this life? Oh my goodness. But the scripture says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Might there be some personal development necessary for us to be able to put this into practice? Reading the verse and having it just magically happen isn't how it works. We have to see it, understand it, realize it's possible, you know, and at least in my life, get run over a few times, pick yourself up off of the ground, and, and try again and go forward. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this is what we're called to do. Now, uh, human nature is to repay evil for evil. We do not want to be overcome by evil. We want to overcome evil with good. But verse 17 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's human nature. When evil comes our way, if somebody sins against you, hurts you, or hurts someone you love, is your first thought, I wonder how I can bless them. 
I wonder what kind of kindness I can do for them. Our fleshly nature, our human nature is, you, you insult me, I push you. You push back, I punch you. You punch me, I pick you up and drop you on your head. <laughs> you know, that's, that's human nature. Is, is If they hurt me, I hurt them a little more. Yet the scripture says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. In fact, if we, if we repay evil for evil, that is a form of being overcome by evil. Then we, the children of God, the followers of Christ, are putting evil into the world. Just because we are hit by evil doesn't mean we get to inject evil into this world. It will be what you want to do. You've all been there. (laughs) When someone does evil to you, immediately the response is, do evil back. But here it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That again is a form of being overcome by evil. But that's not God's direction for us. It's not God's ways. We are not to return evil for evil. Do you remember in the Old Testament, it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Remember that? If you don't remember, let me tell you. In the Old Testament, it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And this uh, should be seen in light of stopping escalation. So it's not a life for an eye. It's not an arm for a tooth. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Because if somebody knocked out my eye, I'd want to kill him. I mean, right? And so, eye for eye, not life for eye. Tooth for tooth, not life for tooth. And then, in the New Testament, Jesus raises the bar. He raises the bar on everything. He raises the bar with this. And so let's take a peek, a little foreshadowing of our series after Thanksgiving. We're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount. I think we're going to call it the greatest sermon ever preached. Doesn't that sound like a really good uh, series title? People should come to that. Of course, it wouldn't be the sermon that's going to be preached. It would be talking about the previous sermon that Jesus preached. But, you know, hey, that's okay. Uh, I endeavor to steal everything I say from this book, right? I, I don't want to say anything that is unique and new. I just want to tell you the old truth. So there you go. Jesus raises the bar. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Isn't it nice to love your neighbor and hate your enemy? You know... But that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Jesus raised the bar from eye for eye and tooth for tooth to love the one that took your eye. Pray for the one that knocked out your tooth. Now this would be challenging, right? This would be difficult. I, I must tell you, as I was putting this sermon together, I felt a rather large amount of conviction. You know, oftentimes the preacher is preaching to himself and hopes that other people get something out of it. But here's the deal. <laughs> Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is saying there's a better way. 
When we are fighting this fight, we need to not be overcome by evil, but we need to overcome evil with good. And so if someone is persecuting you, if someone is hurting you, how are you going to overcome that evil with good? You're going to love them and you're going to pray for them. You're going to inject good into the situation where evil is being put on you. You are going to put something good on them. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 19. What we already read, I'm going to talk about the burning coals thing a little bit. Do not repay, I'm sorry. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Let's read verse 22, uh, 20 as well. Uh, sorry. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. This is a quotation from Proverbs. And you need to understand the Jewish culture in order to understand this particular verse. Because does heaping burning coals on someone's head sound like loving them? Loving your enemy, that sort of thing. Heaping burning coals seems like a negative thing. I think there were medieval torture devices that involved heaping burning coals on people's heads. And that's not what this is talking about. In the Jewish culture, fire was seen as a purifier. You remember the verse, take the coal, touch my lips, saying, I ha- I'm a man of unclean lips, purify me. Fire was a purifier, the refiner's fire. And so in the Jewish culture, they, they also liked Pomp and circumstance. I mean, man, they, the temple was incredible. They had amazing services with incredible symbolism. I Wouldn't it have been something to have lived in the Old Testament temple era? That would have been something. We live in the jeans and coffee era. That's fine too. But the man, it, uh, there's something special about these, these Old Testament things. And the symbolism and the meaning from Passover to all these different feasts and all these things. And one of the things that they would do is, if they were particularly repentant, they would wear this large headdress and they would put coals in it. And the coals would symbolize uh, purification. And what they were saying is, I was wrong, I need to be purified, I'm going to wear this thing and it's going to smoke and I'll walk around and people will see me and there was other things to it that I don't fully understand. But the whole point of this verse isn't that you're burning people. It's that you're bringing them to repentance. And I like to illustrate it with an accidental event that occurred in my life. When I was in high school, I ran track. I didn't particularly care about track, but I was fairly fast. So they recruited me to be on the track team and so I ran track. And when uh, I was at a particular track meet, some student from another school said a mean thing to me. And I was also kind of socially slow. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I didn't quite catch it. I thought, oh, he must be saying something nice. I must have misunderstood or something. So I thought he was saying something nice, but he was saying something mean. You know, it's like a team rivalry thing. But I didn't really care about track. I didn't care what team he was on. You know, whatever. Uh, Hey, how's it going? It is a beautiful day, isn't it? And so then he said another mean thing to me, which I also didn't catch. (laughs) 
So I thought he was just continuing the conversation. Well, this is a friendly guy. So, so I kept talking to him and said nice things to him, at which point he gave up and started saying nice things to me. And then we continued to have a nice conversation, and he was kind of a friend for the day sort of a person. When we'd bump into each other at various places during the track meet, we'd chat and talk, you know, and it was nice, a wonderful, pleasant little conversation each time. And I thought, what a neat guy. And then on the bus ride home, I thought to myself, wait a minute. (laughs) He was saying mean things to me. I should have been offended. I can't believe it. And then I thought to myself, well, look at that. He said mean thing, I said nice thing. He said mean thing again, I said nice thing again. And then he said a nice thing. Interesting. That's interesting. And I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I kept it in my head. And then when I read Overcome Evil with Good, I thought, I remember that day in track where I accidentally overcame evil with good. I didn't mean to. I hadn't read the verse. I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just a little socially slow, but I learned a lesson. So what happened was he thought, I shouldn't be mean to this guy anymore. I should be nice to this guy. And that's heaping burning coals on their head. They repent. They change. I was wrong. I shouldn't have been mean to this person. This is a nice person. I'll be nice to this person. And so... That's what heaping burning coals means. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. If you keep doing that, at some point, they're going to stop hating you. Because you're injecting good into an evil situation. You're bringing love into animosity. You're bringing something good into a situation that's darkness. And that's how you overcome evil with good. Now, Jesus didn't just tell us to do this. Jesus walked the walk. Let's read Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Jesus saw an evil, horrible, dark world. And his response, you know, he could have just decided to blow us all up. The progression had happened. We got to that place in history. And it's time. And Jesus says, look at that evil, dark, horrible world. Somebody needs to bring some love into that world. Somebody needs to bring the strongest, deepest, most powerful sacrifice and the greatest love that humanity will ever see to that planet. And Jesus came down and while we were still sinners, I'm sort of thankful that I didn't grow up as a Christian. Because I know the difference. I know what while we were still sinners means to me. It means that Jesus died for me when I denied him, when I talked people out of believing in him, when I refused him. Jesus loved me. 
he interjected something good into a dark, evil heart. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus doesn't just tell us to do that. He has done it himself. Jesus injected a loving sacrifice that brought forgiveness into a dark, evil world. Overcome evil with good, then, means that we inject good into evil situations. That can be difficult. Again, it goes against our sin nature because we want vengeance. We want them to get theirs. And God doesn't say they won't get theirs. He says, leave room for my wrath. I will avenge. Your job is to forgive. You know that when you forgive, it doesn't get them off the hook from God. Their knee will bow before God. It's just that simple. They will have to face God. You don't forgive to get them off the hook with God. You forgive to bring light into your own heart when you have been hit by darkness. It can be difficult for us to bring good into an evil situation. God says we need to do that. And it's a thing that we need to take by faith. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I believe there's two ways that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are better than our ways. His ways are higher than ours, meaning His ways are better. Injecting good into an evil situation is better than returning evil for evil. His ways are higher than our ways. They're also higher than our ways and difficult for us to understand. God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't always get it. We don't always see what's going on. We don't always understand. And that's where faith comes in. Where we believe and trust that God's ways are good. That I want to return evil for evil. But by faith I'm going to choose to overcome evil with good. It feels like I should do evil. But God's ways are different from our ways. And we need to, by faith, believe what God says and believe that evil can be overcome with good. Because only when evil is overcome with good can we win this war. If we fight this war with evil, we will lose. If we fight this war with hate, we will lose. If we fight this war pointing the finger in disgust, we will lose. We must overcome evil with good. This is a fight worth fighting, and it is a fight worth winning. So let's walk by faith, walk in God's ways, and believe that we can overcome evil with good. So let's get practical. Overcome what evil with what good? Because it's easy to say things when it's theory, when it's theology. You know, we all know to nod and smile and say, it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And then we leave church and it's all the same as it's always been. 
How do we put these things into practice? How do we actually overcome evil with good? Let's look at just a few situations. How do we overcome the evil that we have done with good? Anybody done evil? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How do I overcome the shame in my own heart over who I've been? That darkness, how do I overcome that? I believe in the good that Jesus has done for me. I believe in the blood shed on the cross for the forgiveness of all of humankind. And I have faith in that and I bring that forgiveness into my own heart and the shame and the guilt melt away. What I can make right, I make right. What's water under the bridge, I trust the Lord with and pray blessings over those who I've hurt. That's how I change the darkness of a shamed heart over sin that's been committed. That's how we overcome evil with good in that situation. How about overcoming evil that's been done to me? How do I overcome that? If someone's done something evil to me, if someone's done, it's worse when somebody does something evil to someone you love. How do you overcome that with good? When someone's done something evil to me, then rather than receiving forgiveness, I need to offer forgiveness. I need to love my enemies. I need to pray for those who persecute me. I need to love those who don't love me. So when someone hurts you, it's an evil, dark situation. Inject something good into that. Bring love into that. How do I overcome a bad marriage? I got a dark, bad relationship. How do I overcome that? You got to inject love and respect into the relationship. If it's all animosity and difficulty and fighting, inject some love, inject some respect, put some of that in there. If it's all bitterness and fighting, where's it going to go? It's not going to go anywhere. Somebody's got to put love in there. Somebody's got to put respect in there. Who's going to do it? Overcome evil with good. How about this one? I am convinced that the vast majority of people believe lies that have been spoken over them. You're not good enough. You'll never get there. You can't do it. Whatever the lie is, people have had lies spoken over them and you believe it. That's evil. How do you overcome that evil with good? You find the promise in the scripture, you find the truth in the scripture and you believe that instead. I heard a preacher one time say, he asked the question, what word is most powerful? My word, the word somebody else has spoken to me, or God's word? The answer is, it's the one that you believe has the most power over you individually. If you believe that Jesus couldn't ever love you, and it's solid in your heart, that will separate you from God. Even though the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That Jesus loves us and has set us free. The, the lie you believe is more powerful to you than the word of God. That's evil. 
Overcome evil with good by finding the truth in the scriptures, speaking it over yourself and believing it. Amen? Amen. You're doing good. How do we overcome sin patterns and generational curses? That's evil. I got something to say about generational curses. When you are born again, you are born into a new lineage. You are born into the family of God. And you can look at God Almighty as your father and that's your generational truth. We reject those sin patterns, we reject those generational curses, and we live as children of God. How do we overcome dark eyes? Jesus said the eyes are the lamp of the body. If our eyes are good, our whole body will be full of light. If our eyes are darkness, then we'll see darkness and how great will that darkness be. How many people have looked out this week into the world and thought, those idiots? <laughs> have, you, have you thought that? <laughs> I must confess. <laughs> the, the conviction of writing this sermon upon myself. Dark eyes look out into this world and say, those idiots. The eyes of Christ look out and say, look at those people created in the image of God that Jesus loves and has died for who need the truth. They need to be loved. Look at them. We overcome dark eyes by seeing things through Christ and from his perspective. Did you know there's a reward for overcoming evil with good? There's a reward. Sometimes we get to see the reward when we inject good into darkness, when we put something, we put love into an evil situation, and then we see the situation turn. And that reward is awesome. And sometimes you just keep adding love and it just keeps getting worse. Sometimes the reward for overcoming evil with good is deferred. Don't let the deferred reward cause you to be overcome. I've been a Christian now for almost 30 years. And... There were things 10 years in I got tired of believing for. Because I've been believing for this for 10 years. Is it ever going to happen? Am I ever going to get there? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But here's the promise. We must continue and we will receive the reward. Remember, a few weeks ago we read Hebrews 10. I'm going to finish up here in just a minute. Hebrews 10, starting verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, 
Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Now these are some tough believers. These are people that when their property gets confiscated, they inject joy into that situation. That's impressive. Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Now, don't throw away your confidence. Let's finish the passage. Verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So they interjected joy into this situation and they got more persecution. That's hard on the heart. Because you can believe for a year, you can believe for five years, and then ten years, it starts getting harder. Believe for 20 years, 30 years. Some people believe for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Sometimes at 70 years, the miracle happens. Did you know sometimes it doesn't? Sometimes overcoming means we didn't give up and we kept believing even though we never saw it. Sometimes that's what overcoming is. Let's keep reading verse 37. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Now the next verse is very, very harsh. I looked it up in the Greek to make sure that I understood what it meant. And it means what it says. Verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe. And are saved. That word destroyed is the same word used to describe the the wide road. You know, there's the narrow road that leads to life and the wide road that leads to destruction. It's this word. This would this word was used to describe Judas after he betrayed Jesus. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Do we want to shrink back? Do we want to be overcome? No. We want to be overcomers. We want to overcome. Shrinking back is not good. (laughs) I don't want to find out the details of this because I just want to not be someone who shrinks back. If I fall down, I get run over by the truck, I get back up. Somebody, if you see me laying in the dirt, pick me up. All right? I'll try to do the same for you because we need some help sometimes. But here's the deal. We can't shrink back. God is not pleased with it. And it's dangerous. But here's the deal. We are not of those who shrink back. We are those who believe and are saved. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a minute. We are not of those who shrink back. We are those who believe and are saved. What is the promise to those who overcome? In the book of Revelation, there are seven different messages given to seven different churches. And they all include a promise to those who, who overcome. Now when we read things like if you shrink back you're destroyed, then that that's hard because how many of us have never shrunk back in a particular situation? We haven't felt crushed and ran and hid. Hallelujah for the forgiveness of God. However, we need to see the promises 
and the joy that's set before us so that we can keep our faith and be reaching forward into what God has for us because we win the war by being overcomers. And so what's in store for those who overcome? I'm just going to read the promises to overcomers from each one of the letters or each one of the messages to the various churches in the book of Revelation. Revelation 2.7 says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I wonder what that tastes like. I want to find out. I want to find out. I'll fight the battle today so I can find that out. Revelation 2.11 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. That means that when your knee bows before God and you are judged, you'll be brought to a place of everlasting joy. Not be hurt at all by the second death. Revelation 2.17 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Somebody named you. To him who overcomes, God will say, I have a name for you that I have chosen. He will give us that name. I want to know that name. Revelation 2, 26 and 27. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. Did you know in heaven we aren't going to be floating in clouds playing harps? There's going to be purposeful activity. We will rule and reign with Him. That's the promise to those who overcome. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out His name from the book of life, but will acknowledge His name before my Father and His angels. The day will come where Jesus will speak your name in God's presence, the Father's presence, and in the angel's presence. And everyone will say, there's an overcomer. And the Father will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on. Is this worth fighting for? Is this worth overcoming for? Is this worth dealing with the adversity and the difficulty and injecting something good into it for? Revelation 3.12 Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. That means that we will never be in a place of darkness again. If you want to experience darkness and pain and heartache and misery, you better do it now. Because when this thing is over, so is all of that. A pillar in the temple of God. Revelation 3.21 
is the last one. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I, just thinking of that right now, I don't know if, I, I mean, obviously, if God says that's what's going to happen, it's going to be a joyous time. I can't imagine sitting on a throne. I can, I can understand falling on the ground. I can't understand sitting on a throne. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. That's amazing. We must overcome The reward is great. Each one of us in this place has something to overcome right now. I want us to pray as a group and then I'll open up the front for personal individual prayer. For personal prayer, pray for anything. You want to start a relationship with Jesus, come get prayer. You need physical healing. You need a touch from God. You need a blessing. Whatever it is, come get prayer. But right now, Let's pray for God to show us an area, maybe two areas of darkness where we need to interject something good, where we need to overcome evil with good, where there's a yucky situation and if we just add more yuck to it, all it does is get worse. But we are to overcome evil with good. Let's ask God to show us a couple of those situations, one or two, so that we can handle it and then give us the strength and the courage and the faith to put something good into that situation. Let's pray together. Let's understand this is the front lines of the war. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy, your strength and power and your love for us and your love for everyone. Help us to know your love. Help us to understand your rewards for those who overcome. Because it's it's not normal for us to overcome evil with good. Sometimes we, we get run over and we revel in the destruction. Sometimes we put evil on someone that's done something bad. Lord, we repent of that. Help us when we see darkness to put some light into it when we see evil, to put something good in there, into that situation. Heavenly Father, I pray by your spirit right now that you would show us in our personal lives something, an area of darkness, an area of evil that we have the ability to put something good into, to overcome evil with good. Reveal that to each one of us right now by your spirit. Show us what you want us to do in that situation. And Lord, help us to have the strength and the courage to be able to walk this out, to live out what you have for us. Father, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Lord, I pray your spirit would be upon us. Lord, that your love would be in our hearts, that your joy would overthrow, overflow through us and overthrow the darkness in this world so that your love and your truth And your gospel may spread to every little dark place in this world. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.